Ready to add a big dose of positivity and empowered perspective to your day? You've come to the right place. Welcome to She Said, She Said podcast. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Here, we tackle everything from imposter syndrome and confidence building to the best advice on how to lead yourself through life pivots, including the ones that knock you flat. For the past three years, I've talked to hundreds of experts about their stories. Here, you'll find their actionable advice and lessons, as well as my own tools that you can put to use in your own life. Stick around. I think you'll find this investment in you well worth it. Hi, friends. Today, I am thrilled to welcome the power duo behind the Southern Cootery, otherwise known as the Southern Sea. Cherie Levy and Whitney Wise Long have created, using their words, a virtual front porch for Southern creatives and entrepreneurs. The community is largely made up of women, and it is this exciting mix of artists, consultants, publicists, authors, artisans, podcasters, designers, and so many more. I'm sure I'm leaving out a few categories. Today, we're talking about the power of community, especially for women. We're going to talk about women supporting women, what makes an effective partnership, inspiration, and where it comes from, and also why collaborative groups like this one are so important for women, perhaps even more so during a pandemic. I'm not sure if you can tell, but I'm really excited about this conversation. Now, the duo has just completed their highly popular and often sold out the Southern Sea Summit. It takes place each year in beautiful Sea Island, Georgia. Now, of course, this year, things looked a bit different. We're going to talk about that important pivot, what they've learned in COVID, all these other things. I am thrilled to welcome Cherie Levy and Whitney Wise Long to She Said, She Said podcast. Welcome, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Well, I'm so, I'm so delighted to have you both. Um, we, you have just come off of the Southern Sea Summit, so we're going to talk to talk about that. I was privileged to attend at least part of it, which I really, really loved. But before we get into all of that, I would love for each of you just to take a moment and tell us about yourselves. Sure. So I'm Cherie Levy. I split time between St. Simons Island and Athens, Georgia. Um, I graduated from the University of Georgia and I serve on the alumni board. And my husband is a huge Georgia fan. And we do a publication called The Bulldog Illustrated. Um, so and the guidebook guide to Athens. So so we enjoy um, getting our time in, in the college town. We you guys are all about UGA, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we just zip back and forth with our two golden retrievers. <laughs> That's awesome. Whitney, what about you? Yes, I'm Whitney Long, and I live on the coast of Georgia, St. Simons Island. And I'm originally from Alabama, went to Auburn University. I've been here on St. Simons, gosh, probably 27, 28 years now. So I consider it home. And um, my husband and I are parents to four I would say kids, but now one's a young adult and then three teenagers. So our oldest is a junior in college. And then we have um, three high schoolers, a junior, a sophomore and a freshman. So we stay pretty busy between work and in the four of them. All right. So let's talk about the Southern Sea, what what it is and how did this idea come about? And, and also, how did you two meet? My husband is from St. Simons as Cherie and her husband. And so they knew one another in high school. And then when my husband and I started dating, Cherie and I'd met and just kind of stayed in touch through the years. I worked in the magazine industry as a freelance editor and scout and stylist and took a break from that as I was having children. And then, um, like I said, Cherie and I just kind of stayed in touch, was looking for a creative outlet. We connected and um, sat down over lunch and just started, you know, finding that the common denominator um, were the things that we enjoyed, which were the people, places, things, products from the South. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what we were into and reading a lot about, you know, Garden and Gun, just different blogs and that sort of stuff. So we wanted a place to um, promote all of these great things that were happening in the South. And so we came up with the idea for the Southern Sea, which is the Southern Coterie. And that's a French word that means a group of people with common or similar interests. So the common interest was the South. 
And um, yeah, we started out that way. We had a newsletter for a while for like, I guess, almost two years. We started hearing that our members, so you had to become a member to post or share content. So similar to like a Facebook or something, there was no cost associated with it. But anyway, so we had all these people across the South joining and having great conversations. They wanted to connect in real life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the first summit was born, just listening to our members. Um, we were fortunate to um, join forces with Southern Living towards the beginning, and they dubbed us the Social Network of the South. And the South must visit virtual front porch. So we played off that because that's what the feel was. You know, it was like you were on the front porch talking to a friend. People would find out if you talk enough like, oh, I went to school with your aunt or, you know, there were sorority sisters or my uncle knows your dad. They play golf, that sort of thing. So it's just that conversation and the members wanted to bring it to life in person. And so that's how the summit was born. And Sheree, you may want to tell about the way we kicked off back in 2013 with that. (laughs) Well, we just it was interesting because, you know, Whitney and I were developing a business. Uh And we realized a lot of the ladies we were networking with through this were also own their own businesses, interior designers or um, retail shop owners or a jewelry designer. And um, the commonality, you know, we would talk about home life and, and whatnot, but we were also talking a lot about how to grow our businesses. And I think that's a characteristic of Southerners is to kind of, you know, lean on each other to help each other out. And so that just grew into, you know, we wanted to get together in person. We wanted this space or this place to gather. And so we were like, well, let's do that online and in person. And the commonality became, you know, really providing the resources and the mentors and the inspiration and the problem solving that would come with putting together a bunch of female entrepreneurs. And so our content pivoted more towards, it was still promoting everybody's products and businesses and the people in the places, but it leaned more in to, um, you know, the small business owner. One of the things that really strikes me is that action oriented specific element that really is useful to the individual, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. information. It's really something that she can take away with her after the conversation and immediately put it to use, regardless of of sort of where she falls on the spectrum of this pretty broad range of careers and pursuits. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a member call and and our membership serves us too. Like that's what's so crazy is it tends to be where we are in our own business trajectory too. Like Mm -hmm. we had wheezy towels on the other day. Whitney and I had just been spending time on what is the budget to spend to acquire a new member Mm -hmm. in the Southern state? Will they immediately start in on, um, Cost acquisition per per customer. I literally start texting Whitney on the side. I'm like, did they hear us talking yesterday? Like, this is so crazy. But so it was like kind of developing, like if you were going to spend money on an influencer campaign, how much money, you know, can you spend, you know, just kind of like your long-term investment, you know, will that person become, you know, so it just, you know, a summit attendee. So there we were. So it happens to us all the time. It's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing that we're able to have these conversations and they build us up in our business. How much does the phone and talked about it? Yeah. How much does your, what you're just talking about, your personal experience drive the content and the questions? Because in addition to the summit, which we're going to talk about in a second, you you also provide a lot of uh, a content on a weekly basis for your right. members too. So maybe talk about how your own experience drives the creation of that content. Well, and it, it truly does because, well, and then we also are really, we're, um, we listen well. And so we listen to what our membership needs. So for instance, like during the pandemic, we had um, a group of wholesalers that were, you know, on a, on a membership call and they were, you know, there were tears shed. It was really scary. They were in New York. They were leaving New York to come, you know, 
flee the city for a minute and um, get get it together. And so basically they were trying to find ideas because the orders had stopped. Well, so mm-hmm. then we got a call together. That was on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, we had a call with retailers on, okay, you're stopping your orders. How can y'all work together? So by Thursday, we had the wholesalers and the retailers on a call together, thinking strategically, problem solving. And, you know, they came up with an idea that the wholesalers would fulfill the orders if the retailers would promote them to their client base. They would profit share. So, like, we're just kind of real-time problem solving, real-time and it's it's not always problems. It's oftentimes, um, you know, coming up with a collaboration between an artist and a, you know, and a clothing designer and they decide to do a ball skirt together and it just becomes the most fabulous thing. I mean, you know, those kinds of collaborations, too. It's just a really a think tank. Right. And we are a small team and I've laughed to Shree before because it's three of us, basically. I mean, we have a fabulous PR team as well, but three of us that are doing the day to day. And I'm like, is that a team with only three people? But because we are small, we can be nimble and we can get programming together quickly. We can change a topic if we need to. You know, we can have something maybe planned, but then we realize the needs of what our membership and our community is wanting or needing at that time. And so we really try to meet them where they are in their walk and then find the voices, the um, just the people with the knowledge to help them. It strikes me that the Southern Sea had a real opportunity as it relates to programming during this last 12-month period. Maybe talk about what surprised you as it related to that. I mean, everybody had to pivot on a dime in one way or another. Maybe talk about how the Southern Sea worked to meet the needs of its members, which were, were different needs, admittedly, right. but... Well, we ramped up programming immediately for our membership. Um, We were on call sometimes twice a day. Yeah. I mean, the first probably two, three months, I mean, we were doing, like Sheree said, maybe calls twice a day, like 11 a.m. at 2 p.m., just multiple, multiple calls every week. And again, listening to what they were saying and trying to find who could address that in specific calls. So that really helped us with knowing our um, community better, too. And then I think, you know, what was very unique is not only the, how we could bring the speakers to them so fast, but just how people were so transparent with one another yeah. during what was and still is unprecedented times. But just, you know, being able to get on the phone and kind of cry if you needed to cheer people on when you needed to. And, um, you know, I know you mentioned like Pivots, that is the word I think we all know is the word of the pandemic is your pivot. And, you know, some may be temporary, some are permanent, but I think that just afforded us the opportunity to serve them in such a way that if everything had been status quo, we wouldn't have been able to customize our speakers and content the way we did. We hit the ground running too. Like, Like I had friends around me that, you know, were in shock a lot longer than I was Mm. because of this group, because we just dove right in and said, okay, you know, we showed that, that grit that Southerners have. We were like, okay, let's lean on each other. Let's problem solve. We had quickly, we had um, some of our first folks we had present were business coaches to kind of get, get people back motivated and pumped up. And then also um, getting serious with what you could cut in your budget because you were suddenly faced with like, whoa, right? everything's closed. So like there was a lot of budget talk at the very beginning. And then, and then we were able to go back to growth mode as business people a lot faster than everyone around, I think, than other people around us. I mean, I have friends that own businesses and they were slower. You know, we would get a person from um, like, let's say Rebecca Minkoff came on and talked to our group out of um, New York. And she, she was saying, she was like, Oh, this is so refreshing because we were already that can do spirit back. Right. 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 Well, and I think it's interesting. The very first call we had, if memory serves correctly, is we had an alum who has been a mentor at the summit who homeschools for children. Mm-hmm. And the first call was, tips and insight on homeschooling your child or your children, because as working moms and business owners, I mean, some of us have virtual offices or, you know, you're in your home, but some have brick and mortar, et cetera. But that was 
basically what we felt like was the most pressing need at the beginning. You know, just me hearing from fellow moms like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. What? How do we do this, having them at home? So, again, just really it helped us fine tune what our membership and alums needed to hear and wanted to hear. You know, one thing I want you to drill down into a bit deeper, I just want to want to really put a star next to it is something that Sheree just said about the fact that you were able to hit the ground running because of the community, that other other friends and neighbors and other entrepreneurs who didn't have this same community were a little slower to figure out how to make the pivot. I, I'd love for you to talk a bit more about why that's the case. What is it about having this community? And and because you are largely women, I know you're not 100% women, but you're pretty close. 99% maybe. 91%. Anyway, it's mostly it's mostly women, but I I think this this point about community and support and women supporting women, maybe talk a little bit more about why that was so critical as it related to the pivots that needed to happen in COVID. I think it was just kind of the um, strength in numbers mentality. Like, What do you mean by that? I mean, we're better together, just supporting one another. Again, just we were all in the same boat to -hmm. some degree. I mean, I've always loved it's an African proverb. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I feel like that kind of explains where we were at that time. I mean, we were moving fast and we were offering the programming and getting what needed to be in front of our members, but it was just that being in a group um, and, and, and just, you know, feeling like there was somewhere you could go once a week if you wanted to hop on one call or if you wanted to hop on four calls, we were there if you needed us. Yeah. Do you think that made a difference in terms of maybe individual members' appetite for taking risks at a time in which stakes were really high. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. We had um, a couple people that launched businesses like right as the pandemic was starting. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and you know, they were on the calls and they're like, Oh my gosh, like what's going on? I just started this business. And then like a week later, the world changes. But I think, you know, it was so great because we had seasoned voices as presenter, you know, webinar leaders, but also seasoned fellow alums and members that were participating on the calls. I mean, we had like Deb Johns with Scout Bags who mm-hmm. weathered the storm back in 2008 and 2009 with the, the collapse then of the economy with the housing market and everything. And she did a webinar and just had so much insightful information about what they did because it was kind of a similar situation, just mm-hmm. the, the where we all found ourselves. So, yeah, I think it's just... um it was we were fortunate in finding those voices that could speak to what our people wanted and needed to hear and continue to. Yeah. I mean, like Sheree said just last week with our Wheezy call, we like the hashtag, the company we keep, and we really feel like we're in good company across the board. I love that. That's really, that's really great. Okay. So in addition to the content that you provide, you also host the Southern Sea Summit, which is in Sea Island, Georgia, every year. Um, you've had to pivot that construct a bit. And I was, as I said before, was was really happy to be able to attend part of it virtually from here in the DC area. But maybe talk a bit about what that looked like. Talk a little bit about what happens at the summit. Um, it is described as a magical experience by so many of the attendees. And as I think I shared with with you all, two, at least two of our former uh, podcast guests, Lydia Finette and also Amy Flurry, had recommended the Southern Sea to me both to get you two on to chat with us about this idea of women supporting women and community, but also um, to, to join as a member. And I'm so grateful that I did. But talk a little bit about the value of the summit itself and what happens there. Well, I think it's that whole getting um, that many smart, savvy businesswomen in one space, you know, the energy is electric. Um, You can come by yourself and jump in and feel like, oh, these are my people. And they just swoop you up. That's what's so great is we look like um, we have an event app and the very first day, everybody's like, I've got two places at my um, dinner tonight. Anybody want to join? And, you know, so people are jumping in. There's that instant camaraderie. 
Uh-huh. We it, we have been so fortunate to have created a space where competition gets left at the door. And so it's it's very much about serving each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, that spirit really, I think, helps, you know, helps the event. This year, it was really important for us to create a safe, safe event. And so we were very glad that we were partnered with Sea Island to do so because they had been hosting events with safely with very little COVID, thank goodness, um, afterwards. And we were able to do the same. We had been talking about going virtual and streaming and mm-hmm. we were nervous. And um, we're that's one of those pivots that now we were forced to do it because we needed, if the in-person event didn't work out, we needed somewhere, we needed to carry on, right? Mm-hmm. So we would have the virtual so we went for it and it went really well and, and we lo- we loved it. Um, the we'll, and, and that's a pivot we'll keep. We'll never stop doing the virtual part so that we can have a way to have more people involved in the conversation. Like I popped in on some of the mentor groups during the virtual and they had a very similar energy that we had in real life. So I was excited to see to see that connection happening. We're glad now we'll be a hybrid event. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so interesting to me because I think people have um, adapted pretty quickly. I mean, out of necessity, of course, but but also learned that you can have these connections. I mean, before COVID and the pandemic, I really was very committed to having every podcast conversation in person. And I would go to the far ends of wherever I was and bring my mic along and, you know, carry it on the plane and have to stop through security and then be like, what is that in your suitcase? (laughs) Anyway, and it was such a pain because I thought there's no way that you can have the same connection. And, And that is true to a certain extent. But this is really good. Like now we've learned how we can connect with each other on a virtual basis and to allow that additional opportunity for those who really aren't able to travel either because of concerns at home or they have little children or they're sick or who knows what. Um, it really is kind of an interesting um, dynamic and an interesting way of, of thinking about that. And hopefully will provide us with more opportunities. With regard to, I, I realize this is an organization that was started because of that, Jeanne Sequoia, if you will, related to the South. What is it about the South? And you do include members who are not quote unquote Southern. I mean, I consider myself a Southerner, even though I live in the DC area and I'm from Texas, which is not really the South, right? The Southwest is a little different. Um, but I consider right. myself an honorary Southerner, as I suspect your membership does. But you are <laughs> inclusive of women who are not from the South, right? Maybe talk about yes. how you, how you, how you create an inclusive community. <laughs> so, yes, we do get that question. When tickets go on sale, often do I have to be from the South to attend? And we were like, absolutely <laughs> not. And we have people from all over the country. I mean, from every part. And probably by our, so back when we started in 2013, we had three events in six months, which was just insane. <laughs> and we quickly realized that, That was physically not a sustainable model for us to be in three different places within that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, though, I would say by the time we rolled into our first event in Charleston, that's when we were getting people from all over the country. And I think what, you know, the, the constant will be that we have our events in the South, but people can be from all over. Our membership base is from all over. Um, for us, we just love being in the South, showcasing it, being in different cities, fun places. We were in Charleston for three years. Then we came to Sea Island, and this was our fifth year on Sea Island, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with me being here full time and Shree being here part time, it just made the most sense to be in our backyard. But I think we will always host our events in the South. And so I feel like there's just something that when you do get to these locations, you're kind of leaving that big city vibe behind and people are very transparent and open and ready to share and be together. And, you know, you mentioned the magic of the summit earlier. We do have so many people say it's like this pixie dust, the summit pixie dust and it's people. But I think the location definitely helps when you put people in a beautiful five-star resort and we try to stay on campus, so to speak the whole time. 
Um, and especially this year with COVID, we did not do any offsite dinners and that sort of stuff. But I think when you put them in a pretty inspiring place, magic happens, whether you're from the north, the south, the east, the west, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that will, I think, always be our location. We will be back on Sea Island, but even outside of that, we would stay in the confines below the Mason-Dixon, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then we do some workshops throughout in different locations, um, Charleston, Atlanta, Athens, that sort of thing. And we've had so many New York alums say we would love for you to do an event here. And we were like, you know, maybe a workshop, but the, the big event will always keep in this area. Yeah. What are you guys seeing in terms of, you know, there's a lot of discussion about mass exodus from cities and people leaving with their families to smaller and mid-sized cities, more similar to where you guys are. What are you seeing from a, from that standpoint? Do you Are you seeing a lot of that at this now? Well, my husband's in real estate here, and I know personally we are seeing it every single day. Um, I mean, in, but all coastal areas, and I think particularly in the South, all coastal areas are really hot markets right now. And I think, you know, it speaks to quality of life. I think we all know now you don't have to be in an office five days a week. Um, I think we're going to see that with corporations, you know, offering the opportunity to do what you're comfortable with. Maybe it's a hybrid, like you were saying with your children earlier, earlier about school. But um, I mean, I definitely see that um, personally. And then, you know, our people that have brick and mortar, you know, that's a little trickier if you're trying to, to leave and go somewhere. I mean, I think it's going to continue like that. I just think this virtual office concept has changed the way we all work and it's, you know, changed the future. But I also know that that can be a little isolating because getting back to how the summit started, you know, if you have a your office at home, you really crave that face to face in some form or fashion. And when we had the first summit in 2013, when our attendees, I mean, our members were saying we would love to meet in person. I think that was the catalyst for that. You know, you can I mean, I'll get here on my computer and I work, work, work. The next thing you know, I'm picking up the kids at school and I haven't seen another person. Right. Until I pick up the kids. So I think there's always going to be, even though we can do virtual offices more easily, you can do your podcast like this, but we still, that's where I think inspiration really, really comes from is those face-to-face conversations, even six feet apart, like at the summit for the real life attendees. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about uh, creativity. You're you're both creatives, uh, given the nature of your work and the nature of your membership. Maybe talk about the challenges of keeping those creative ideas flowing and your tips and advice for really fueling your creative spirit. Maybe maybe also sort of a flip side to that, dealing with burnout, right? Because with creatives, just as you're talking about, how do you how do you keep the spigot from drying up. What are your tools for really keeping that creativity and that inspiration going? I mean, I think that's what this community is for. I truly believe that when you make the time and the headspace for working on your business, not in it, I mean, you know, a day of working in a database or, you know, or the parts that us creatives don't love as much, right? <laughs> but to be able to endure all that, you've got to have the headspace to be to be brainstorming new, to be brainstorming marketing ideas, to be, you know, creating vibrant social media campaigns. So I think having a community kind of helps you avoid that burnout. Uh I mean, I know I've gotten on member calls before kind of grumpy and like, Oh, okay, here we go. And then by the end of it, I'm so refreshed. So, I mean, I think I feed off the people. So that helps me not, that helps me avoid burnout. I know sometimes I can, communication. I think it goes back to that. And just having this professional growth community. How how about this whole idea of mindfulness? I just had on the podcast, my friends who are the co-founders of a health and wellness entity called BB&R Wellness. They host a podcast called the Health Gig Podcast, but their focus is on the whole mind-body connection, but specifically around mindfulness. Maybe any practices that you two individually engage in around mindfulness to really focus on the care and feeding of your spirit and your soul. We probably do not do that enough. I'm speaking on behalf of both of us. 
And we, again, hit the ground running every morning and go, go, go to get things done. But I think it is so important. I mean, just a very, very small thing that I've done within the last year was I deleted Facebook off my phone. And, you know, now if I want to get on, I'd have to make a point to sit down at my computer and open it up and that sort of stuff. So I think just very small practices that help um, can help, you know, and that was just kind of clearing some of the brain space from things that are negative and, and just things that I don't really need to have in there. But um, that's just one little thing I've done for me. I do think that mindfulness is so important having a home office or working out of your home because the lines blur so much, mm-hmm. you know, there's no separation of church and state there. And um, I'm a mom working in my house, but I'd need to be able to take those breaks to center and kind of, you know, just get focused um, because there's just so much overlap between the two. We did have, it's been probably two or three years ago at the summit, we did a little mindfulness practice between sessions with someone on stage walking us through that. And I think that's something that we should investigate bringing back because it was really, really nice. And this year at the summit, we built in some mindfulness minutes between speakers Mm -hmm. to do um, a brain dump, for lack of a better term, you know, to kind of take what you had just heard and put on paper, but then also to just kind of try to relax and, and close your eyes and think through things and just center yourself again. So that was kind of something we were hoping to pass along to attendees. I know. So we did yoga during the retreat too, which was lovely. Mm -hmm. And it's so neat because her theme was let go. And as I was with her, I thought, okay, I'm not letting go. I'm just grateful right now. And that was really interesting. So then I told Whitney, so for Lent, I have, um, I am practicing positivity. So I'm not saying anything ugly and it has to be super constructive and not ugly. Right. Love that. Yeah. So I, that's what, that's what I'm working on here. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody should do that lint or otherwise. Like right. we're at this moment in time in which if you can just stop for a second and be really grateful and whatever nasty thing is, is like right there on the tip of your tongue, just reframe it in the moment, right? Is is the world real? Are you going to feel better when you spouted out that awful thing on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it happens to be or Twitter, you know, where the most vile things live. Um, But you know, it it doesn't make you feel better and it contributes to this, you know, this angst and this yuck that we're dealing with. So if there's ever been a a time to give grace to one another and to yourself, it's been since March, you know? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. My my mindful practice is going to be to um, start every day thinking about what I'm grateful for. And then when I go to do anything snarky like a screenshot to Whitney, then I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, if it's just to Whitney, it's probably okay. But <laughs> You're in the safe zone. You're in the safe zone, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have my I have a very small, a very small uh, group of friends on on text. Um, and that's sort of where we we allow ourselves to be maybe a little edgier than we would otherwise. But, you know, I, I really think about you know, you're talking about about deleting Facebook, Whitney, and I completely appreciate that. But at the same time, like we have an opportunity to, you know, to try to put positive things into the world. Too, right. right. And you've got these platforms that you can use for that purpose. And so I've I've tried to think about this moment in time and is what, what can I do to try to make the world better? Right. If, even if it's just a tiny pebble dropping into a pond, can it have just a little ripple effect that maybe makes right. one other person feel better? Right. That's, there's value in that. For um, sure. Yeah. But it's all it's about. So ne- it's needed right now more than ever. I mean, I have a love hate relationship with social media and it's such a large part of what we do but it is this rabbit hole you can go down. So just really try to be mindful of the time spent on that, you know? And I am trying to be more with my four kids. If they're talking to me, I'm so intentionally now trying to put my phone down, like not even have it in my hand kind of thing, because it's just, Oh, okay. And you're looking at it, you know, and talking to them, but I'm really trying to be more like 
phone not in my hands. But it's hard. <laughs> and you know, you're it it's dinging, you've got texts going off. And I'm like, no, 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 that is not <laughs> something that I have to reply to this minute. Yeah. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your partnership and what makes it work. I know you guys have been friends for many years, but what is it about your particular partnership that works? Maybe the best part, Cherie, the best part about Whitney and Whitney, the best part about working with Cherie. Well, I think our communication has gotten stronger even from when we first started. So there's a maturity to it now that I really place a value on. I feel much more confident in it even, you know, like I feel like we've, we've made some good business decisions and we, you know, have plugged along and to to be coming up on a 10 year marker is a big deal. How long did that take to really get to that, that, that comfort level? I mean, I know you knew each other, you were friends, but it's different when you're, when you're friends and also in business together. And so where did that, maybe at what point did that comfort level really kick in? I mean, I would say we always have had a friendly rapport and whatnot. And so, but I would say the maturity came in the second half of this decade. Like mm-hmm. I would say in the, in this most recent five years is where it, I, I feel like we sort of have a very grown up. I mean, it's a marriage. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Work life. <laughs> yeah. So you have to learn to, um, to listen to each other well and to um, find the common ground and the decisions being made. And sometimes not, I mean, you can't win every argument, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a successful marriage too, is know when like, okay, she feels more strongly about that than I do. I'm going to trust her instinct on that, you know, whatever it might be. So. Whitney, how about you? How about the best part of working with Cherie? Um, I mean, I think that with Cherie, she is such a go-getter. Um, she's got a big heart. She is a cheerleader and that makes it easy to work together. Um, I think we are very like-minded. We're similar yet different, like, you know, our strengths and weaknesses. We seem to fortunately balance one another out there. And, um, I think, you know, that, that's huge because we are able to complement one another with our abilities and, and our, our skill set. And then also know that we sometimes are at different places in life. You know, she's got multiple businesses, busy with that. I may be busier on the home front. And so there's, again, just that grace of like, you know what? If you don't respond immediately, I know that you've got stuff going on. So just kind of getting to know one another deeper um, through the years and just, you know, again, saying she'll get to it when she can or Whitney will get to it when she can and be understanding of that. Yeah. How about advice for picking a business partner? Now, she's I kind of fell into our laps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just knowing each other. Whitney and I both wish the other one was a little more financially astute, like accounting budget. <laughs> Yeah, any CFOs out there looking for jobs? I know our first full-time hire would be CFO, right? Our husbands would say that too. Uh, luckily, we've had um, good advisors and good instinct in that department. But um, but I do think you have to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and be able to work through those differences. Any advice for? how you, when you really come, come to a roadblock, um, maybe that never happens, but when you do, how you, how you work through those differences of opinion, when you both feel really strongly about something. We tend to land on the same side when we're feeling strongly, which is lucky, but we also have strong, like we have a strong accountant that advises us well. Um, We have strong PR firm that provides a ton of strategy for our business. She's been with us, um, leapfrog they have been with us since we started and then strong website so like I think we have strong advisors that sort of help us through the things that we need support on right and great having that outside voice the one-off that can come in and be like okay this is how it is you know yeah how much can you guys rely on the community I assume that you're getting a lot of input from the community the southern sea community as well 
the time. Most everybody that we work with is in the community. Almost everything, even lawyer, Angie Avard. So we do lean in on our community. Yeah. She does a lot of copyright and trademark stuff. Right. Yeah. Maybe talk about as you are evolving and growing a business, it may require that you create or develop a different tribe than you've had around you. Maybe advice for developing that new tribe of people. How do you go about that? Well, I think you attend events when you're able to, you know, conferences, events, summits, whether it is in person or virtually now, which will probably be the trend for a while. But um, just expose yourself in that way to continuing education, but continuing to grow your circle in your tribe, like you said. Um, because, you know, that's where you learn is when you get out from your immediate circle. And I think that's the beauty in the Southern Sea, too, is it's so many different industries and so many different cities and towns. And then so you basically have all these movers and shakers coming together instead of going to an interior design conference, which is great for growing your business. Mm -hmm. But this sort of mixes it up. And I think you you gain ideas from, um, from the other, the other industries. You're hearing what they're getting from their other connections. And that's really where innovation tends to happen, right? When you're able to apply methodologies in one industry and apply them maybe a little differently in your own industry. Right. And you, and you get that, well, gosh, we could do that here, even though nobody else is doing it that way. Like that's a great way to think about innovation. Well, and we have a hashtag that we use connect, collaborate, create. And that to me is just amazing to go back and look through the years, how that hashtag has grown and see all the things that have happened as a result of building this larger tribe Um, and and the things that people are doing together. And to me, and I've told this to so many people, but I think one of the coolest things about the summit is when you attend virtually or in person, your summit experience does not end the day you go home. That's really, really when it's just starting to take off because people stay in touch. They support one another. They reach out when they might have something come up, an opportunity. They're the first ones to like your post on Instagram. It's just this really, really unique, again, pixie dust type thing where you come, your tribe is growing by attending, but then it just continues to grow beyond the actual confines of the event. And we dub everyone alumni afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we see them in the press or we see them working on a project together, we use the hashtag ISPYTSC Summit Alums. And so, you know, that further encourages, you know, supporting one another and kind of keeping keeping that group going. There's a sense of belonging. Yeah. It's a giant group of cheerleaders that are there you know, that are, again, liking and commenting and sharing and just, you know, thinking of one another when opportunities come up for collaborations and and working together. I love that. That's great. As you sort of look back over what you've accomplished so far, what is the broader impact that you hope the Southern Sea will have had? I mean, it is so rewarding to watch the businesses grow and and see over the years some of the ones that have been with us since since we started and to see them on a national stage some of them and just the impact they're making and so i i think watching those businesses grow watching them even sometimes watching someone close a business to pivot to pay more attention to another part of their business we we feel like we are there to be the support to help them grow through whatever those transitions might be. And I just, I think we're both honored to be a part of it. I mean, that's, sure. that's the thing. And the more, you know, the more support we can lend, the more variety of industry and types of ladies that can become involved, the the bigger that ripple effect, like you were talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I really love that. Maybe one final question. If you 
could go back to where you first started when you started the Southern Sea? Maybe a single piece of advice or a life hack or mantra, maybe something that's that's kept you centered or something that you wish you had known then that you can share with our audience. Gosh, that's a hard one. Um, 2013 seems like so long ago. <laughs> I'm trying to think back to the very beginning. You've made a lot of progress since then. <laughs> I know, I know. This year seems like such a long year, right? So 2013 really seems like a long time ago. Right. Um, you know, I think for us, it was kind of <laughs> leap in the net will appear. We are so blessed, so fortunate that our business has taken off like it has because we really just, I don't want to say on a whim, but basically on a whim, listen to the attend our members or our, um, yeah, our members of the social network at the time that wanted to, to meet in real life. And we just said, let's do it. And the next thing we knew, we had booked a venue here on Jekyll Island, the new convention center, did not have a PR company. We went up to Charleston, met Leapfrog PR through a mutual friend, came in like a whirlwind, said, we have this going on in three months. Can you help us? Thankfully, they agreed and they jumped in. You know, it's just taken off from that. But, you know, I, you hear that saying a lot, leap in the net will appear. And for us, it just really, it, it worked out. You know, there were growing pains along the way. We still have growing pains. It's not been all roses and sunshine and unicorns and that kind of stuff. But that's just part of any business. It's an ebb and flow type thing. Um, but I think just take that chance. I, I agree that that's probably the best piece of advice because sometimes when I've watched um, some of our members, when they're slow to launch an idea and they're over talking it, overthinking it. And I'm not saying, I mean, you should, you should certainly have a business plan and have the structure and the fundamentals in place before you launch, but I watch so many and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you've got to get out of your own way. Just go for it. Like right. you're, you've thought it through, you're solving a problem, go for it. So I do think it is that take the leap, take the risk and, and realize that everyone around you is vulnerable and scared and wishes they were more confident. I mean, we're all, I mean, we're all in the same boat in that regard. So it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Well, and it, too, it's that idea of recognizing that it's uncomfortable, as you just said, it's uncomfortable for most everybody. And so recognizing that the discomfort is not about necessarily telling you not to do it. Right. It's right. just a warning. It's just to say, hey, it's an opportunity to learn and grow, but getting comfortable with that idea of discomfort, which is an overused statement, but I think it's not mm -hmm. well understood what that means. And you I just totally articulated agree. it beautifully. Yes. Yeah. So great. I think because of COVID, those groups that have done this well, it's just, it's made all the difference. I think, no, Cherie, really. you said it best when you talked about the fact that the people who were able to make the pivots were the ones who had that community. And it's that support of knowing that when you take the risk, you got people to kind of help keep pushing you, right? Because right. if you think you're all by yourself, it's just scary as can be. Well, it is. I mean, it's that mentality of together we're better. You know, and it's so true. And we've just seen that come to life continually. The last, what are we in? 10, 11, 12 months of the yeah. pandemic stuff 10 now. years. Almost yeah. a year coming up soon, right? Oh. It feels like a little like a decade. Crazy, but. crazy to but, think but, about. You know, at the same time, I, I always think about this because we've learned so much. I mean, part of, yes, it was hard and we've worked really hard and we've been challenged in ways that we've, most of us have never been challenged in ways like this before, but hopefully you've learned so much about yourself and about others. And if you were able to make those pivots, it's because you doubled down and right. figured out a way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so the learning associated with that is just, to me, the opportunity for growth has been exponential. I'm always so annoyed when I see things on social Social media about, you know, write off 2020 or pretend 2020 didn't happen or whatever. And I realize people are joking. At the same time, like, you know, you're on this planet and you, if you, if you're, if you, if God is, has graced you with life and breadth and the ability to do something and make a difference, my goodness, like, 
just because it's hard. Like, yes. you know, it's, well, it's, and it we seems- are. I sent this to my husband and son the other day. It was, it was like an Inc. magazine or Forbes or something. But this really, really stood out to me, kind of getting to what you're saying. And it says, um, chaos opens people's minds. The innovators of the world are living in a golden age right now. Yes. And so it is Amen. that creative thinking, that thinking outside of the box. This is presenting opportunities that you never would have right. had before to think that way. And like Shri was saying, you know, we had talked about doing a virtual or streaming before with the summit. But, you know, we're like, oh, we don't need to. It's fine. We've got our big group coming etc. You know, if they want to make the effort, then we can offer the programming once they get here. But this made us have to go to include streaming. Mm-hmm. And it was so wonderful. We won't turn back from that. I also, so it felt chaotic and making those decisions, but it was such a good decision that we had to make. Right. I think COVID gave um, me such a sense of purpose with the Southern Sea membership. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it really helped me not get bogged down in what was happening in the world and really yeah, just there was no time for a pity party at that point right, right. Yeah. well it, it, it th- those decisions become even more consequential perhaps than they were before right because you right. literally had business owners who were in sort of from a business perspective life or death situations and it really becomes very purpose driven and mission driven to a larger degree, perhaps than it was before. I just, I think that's fascinating. It definitely did. I'm with you. There are good things that came out of 2020. I'm not writing it off. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies, this has been so great. I really have loved the conversation and I know the audience is going to love hearing your perspective. It is such a powerful testament to the importance of women supporting women and the importance of developing this this community around you. Yes, we are better at being cheerleaders for others than ourselves, <laughs> for getting them the, the PR and press. <laughs> we need to work well, on that and mindfulness. <laughs> well, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I really appreciate you both so much. Thank you. Have a good day. It's nice All to right. see you. You too. Bye. Take care. To learn more about the Southern Sea, check out the show notes for this episode, episode 141. I hope you found this episode thought-provoking and most importantly, a valuable investment of your time. If you enjoyed the episode, I would be so grateful if you could let me know. You can direct message me on Instagram at Laura Cox Kaplan, all one word, or contact me via the link on the She Said, She Said podcast website. Finally, just a small favor. Because your feedback is so essential as we create content for the next few weeks and months, I would love your thoughts on topics that you want to hear more about and and also thoughts on thoughtful guests who you believe would contribute in a positive way to this dialogue. As always, I am incredibly grateful that you've joined us today, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, take care.